You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Fight in Progress. Feels like it's been a month since we've done one, Tom. It does. It feels like a long time. And I don't even know when it was, how long ago it was, maybe two weeks, even though we've... Two and a half weeks, maybe. Even though we've had them published out there, we just stockpiled a little bit because I was a little bit busy. Yeah, you were a little bit busy out of town and (laughs) trying to get back here. Traveling for work is so wonderful. (laughs) Let me just tell you what a fun time and a fun experience that is on these airlines. I'm telling you, if somebody came up with an Uber in the air, I'd be their first customer. (laughs) To be able to get on a plane, tell the pilot, here's where I want to go, and no stops in between. And just take me there. Yeah, don't make me go through TSA and, and get You're everything You're going to have to win the lottery, I think. Well, maybe one day, but you got to play it to win <laughs> That's it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I keep telling God, if you want me to win it, just drop that ticket on my front lawn. Exactly. I'll take it. <laughs> he hasn't seen fit to do no. that yet. <laughs> anyway, um, it's nice to be back in here, and we're going to be back on schedule now. Barring my getting back from Denver on Thursday. These are big ifs. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. I got to get there first tomorrow. You almost had to spend the weekend there. I really did. That was crazy. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. I, I think Ferrara was taking care of me going, God, you can't do this to, you can't do this to Denver. <laughs> or he caused your delay just to mess with you. Well, that could be a possibility too. <laughs> Hadn't thought of that angle. That's probably more like it. But anyway. Um, but we have a someone I am honored to call a friend. I guess he feels that way about me. I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice. We don't have to give you an alias, do we? No, not at all. Because we've had to have some with aliases on here. And so it's nice that your employer, now that you're a retired law enforcement. That's correct. After how many years? Oh, well over just a little over 25. So for the audience, we have... You retired as a sergeant? Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Sorry. Oops. Didn't get him promoted. We can't all be lion tamers. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to you. Yeah. Uh, Retired Lieutenant Pat Ennis Dugan. That's correct. I'm saying it right. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is retired from Buckeye, Arizona Police Department. Yes, out in the Southwest Valley? Yes. Way out in the Southwest Valley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I took Tom with me. Not too long ago for a debriefing over there. That's right. Last month I went to Queen Creek PD. Wow. Are they yeah. up and operating They're yet? going to be very soon. Okay, because I keep yes. hearing this, but I've heard no dates of when that's oh, actually going to happen. First of the year they're supposed it's, to take over. Yes, it's coming. And for those soon. of you who are not familiar with Arizona, Queen Creek is south of me, still in Maricopa County, right before you get to Pinnell County. And it's a very... Um, been a very rural, but now growing in leaps and bounds. I have friends that live down there, and they have finally decided now they want their own police department, so they're stealing from everybody else. They are. <laughs> who can't keep people in the first place. Right. I guess that what's they say that that's the market. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what it is. And uh, 
So I guess everybody they're going to have is going to be all laterals with lots of experience, pretty yes. much. Yes. So Queen Creek's probably going to be the safest place in the valley to live. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see how their rules and regulations play out. We'll see. Trying to learn those from a mix of every department in the valley is going to be a challenge, I think. I, I you know, having spent, you know, a few hours down there, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident they're going to do just fine. And their chief came from where? Mesa? Is that what I heard? I think he's from Mesa or Tempe. I don't really, I don't know him, but I met him. I didn't really meet him officially. He stepped in the room for a few minutes while I was talking to the other guys and gals. And and I would be remiss if I didn't say, now we can actually use your full name, not just TomTheBomb.com, because <laughs> you're officially retired. I am. From Tempe, Arizona PD. Congratulations. Yeah, Tom. we didn't even get to talk about you being a motor cop for 100 years yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I'm missing that motorcycle every time I go out in the garage and I see that big empty spot there. <laughs> it's like, where's it? Okay, that's right. I had to turn those keys in. <laughs> I kept wanting to go with you when you said goodbye and you wouldn't let me because I bet there were some tears shed over that thing. It was weird riding in that last morning yeah. and thinking to myself, this is the last time I'm going to ride a police motorcycle to work. It's kind of crazy. In how many years of well, doing I, it? I started that in 1999. Awesome. Congratulations, so, Thank so, you very much. You bet. So you're telling me your next purchase is going to have two wheels? <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll see what the wife says. Yeah. It's always up to the off-duty commander, right? <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's why I'm single, people. Oh. <laughs> I don't clear anything with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But then the downside to that is I got nobody to blame either. So. True that. I, yeah. Maybe I can blame Tom. I used to blame Ferrara for everything, so now I'll blame Go Tom. Ahead. I'll just have to call Tracy and get her permission first. <laughs> so tell us what tell us about your career, your twenty plus years that you were at Buckeye the whole time. Um, no. Okay. Um, honestly, like I started my journey into the career of law enforcement. Um, <laughs> I thought he was going to say into the depths of hell. But anyway. <laughs> some days, yeah. <laughs> some days, not so much, and some days are really great. Um. But I had decided um, probably my junior year of high school that I was going to go and become a law enforcement officer. Um, Quick story. um, There was a guy that was a security guard at my high school. Um, He showed up one day in a Mustang 5.0 with stars (laughs) on the doors. Got out, put his trooper hat on, and I was kind (laughs) of like, what do you do? His name was Max Olivas. He's a great guy, by the way. That's funny. He he had said, well, you know, I'm, I'm stationed down in Ajo. And that yeah, like was where? Yeah, it was nineteen. <laughs> it was like nineteen eighty-eight, eighty-nine, or something like that. Uh-huh. And we had we had been living in the valley since eighty-two, and I hadn't been to Ajo yet. But I figured it must be somewhere in the middle of the desert. <laughs> um, when you look at a map, yeah, kind of is. Yeah, you're not too far off. <laughs> right. I've been here nine years. I still um, don't know where Ajo is. But I had decided, yeah, that kind of looked like a pretty good job. Um, Get to carry a gun, get a nice drive car. Drive a fast car. Yeah. yeah. What was, more do you need? Get to chase great. people. Abs- well, in those days, <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll chase everybody that's until the wheels life. come off. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I, that's the decision I made just because, you know, I, I, truth be told, I was going to be a fireman. <laughs> oh, there's, there's so much I can oh, say yeah. And, you know, that was kind of the plan until I went to take my military physical. And they're like, hey, your uncorrected vision is not 2020. And I was like, what does it matter? <laughs> like, well, jet fuel burns really hot and 
you just can't have any like glasses mounted to your face. And I was kind of like, well, I wear contacts. And they're like, doesn't matter. Seriously. So, but that was kind of, that was like, that was pretty heartbreaking at the time. Mm-hmm. But then I knew, okay. I, I, and then it was like, you know, like they always say Providence emerges and Max shows up at the high school. I see him. I'm like, what do you do? And then that was, that was it. So um, I actually was going to join the army to be an MP. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you know, the army wasn't looking for MPs. They were looking for medics. But the Arizona National Guard was looking for MPs. Uh-huh. And at first I was like, the National Guard. But then my dad's like, hey, you know, this might be a good way for you to kind of test those waters a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been kind of a talkative guy, maybe just no. a little bit um, <laughs> out more than outgoing, so to speak. No, I'd never known that about you. You know, my dad had said that, you know, you know, when you get to basic training, that's going to be kind of a culture shock for you. And you know, yes, it was, but I, I joined the guard, uh, went off to Fort McClellan, Alabama. Roll time. I'm telling you, red mud <laughs> and it was beautiful because it was green and they weren't, when, and I saw a lot of the green cause I did a lot of pushups <laughs> and, you um, <laughs> and then, you know, the red mud and the, you know, going through, I have never seen that much rain before coming from Arizona. And, and that's nothing. Yeah. And what you saw was probably nothing. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> There was a couple of hurricanes that kind of skirted Mobile yeah, that's in those right. days, you know. So, how about tornadoes? Did you get a dose of our tornadoes at it, all? We had like a couple of warnings that were associated with like some of the hurricane warnings, but mm-hmm. I mean, when you're a new private in basic training in MP school, I mean, your off time is spent filling sandbags to keep the army from flooding <laughs> out. I mean, right. that's not a lot to do. But when I had shown up for basic training, Iraq decided to you know commit that armed robbery in Kuwait. So. Right. Um, they all said, hey, we're going to go do a chemical battlefield. So I spent a lot of time in MOP Level 4. So oh, fun. Wow. Um, I graduated from MP school as a distinguished honor graduate. It was kind of a shocker. Um, <laughs> my dad was like, so you're here to tell me that you got board selected as the distinguished undergraduate. I said, yeah. He said, must have been all the push-ups you were doing. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> had something to do with it. You know, uh, my nickname was Problem Child. Um, uh, no. I, well, the drill sergeant gets on the bus. He says, you've got five seconds to get off the bus. Three of them are gone. <laughs> Sitting in the back seat of the bus, I thought the most expedious way to get off was to lift that emergency <laughs> exit bar. <laughs> and when I did, that was a self-correcting problem. And yeah, that was... So for a week, I think I saw my drill sergeant's boots, but I didn't see him. Oh, boy. But hey, it, it, was, it, was, it was good character building. So... Yep. When I came back from basic training AIT, obviously a lot of the guardians here in Arizona were being deployed for, you know, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a little bit heartbreaking to hear that the unit that I was with, the 855 MP company, they were they were heading out, you know, and they were going to be over in the port in Riyadh in no time. But my job when I came out of training was to take some NCOs to Sholo for, to mobilize the 1404 transportation company. So it was kind of like... <laughs> You prepare, you're mentally prepared, but then you kind of do a different mission. Sure. But it teaches you that, you know, you have to, you, there's going to be changes and you have to kind of, you have to roll with it. So that worked out. And then um, the National Guard, you know, after that, you know, really quick, really violent, but really decisive action in the Gulf, um, the, the National Guard decided that they were going to support law enforcement and the drugs and the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. So Arizona is one of many states that started their joint counter narcotics task force. Yep. Um, I was asked to go to a selection board for that. So I did. And they said, congratulations, you've been selected and you'll go to DPS. And um, there were 
originally it was four of us that were showed up at DPS and it, that it later grew, but um, we were actually doing all, you know, all kinds of stuff short of going out and patrolling the freeways and putting our hands on anybody, you know, cause you know, Posse Comitatus is kind of a, <laughs> but did you get the fast car, <laughs> which started this some, whole thing some days, anyway. <laughs> some days, but you know, but it was, it was good to learn that when you're, cause that's a very fortunate, very like, you know, it's very fortunate experience, you know, and meeting, you know, DPS detectives, uh, sworn civilian staff, you know, learn how, you know, a state police agency functions. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm 19 years old, you know, um, but I knew, okay, as soon as I'm old enough to become a reserve, because they weren't hiring just yet. Mm-hmm. They had a kind of hiring freeze on at that time. And then... I had know, that same problem with TPS. Yeah, but then Governor Simpson comes along. Project Certainly not Slam. a problem today. Then <laughs> <laughs> he, like, I went to the reserve, I, you know, applied, went through the background, did the reserve academy. I think I went through the first semester of it, and then Governor Simonton said, hey, we're going to give some of the DPS guys an early out for retirement, because he's trying to shrink government at the time. Um, but they had, like, 375 retire overnight. Wow. So I got a phone call at home on Christmas Eve from the HR lady. She said, can you be on Tucson, be in Tucson at the Academy on January 2nd? So I got to make some phone calls. And word came back around, yeah, you can go on terminal and, you know, congratulations. So. And Merry Christmas. You know, yeah, uh-huh. it was kind of, it was kind of, you know, neat. And yeah, like those things kind of happened you know, quite a bit. So, you know, I went off to the Academy down in Tucson. My first duty station uh, was Phoenix. So I worked graveyards and patrol uh, for my first like three and a half years or something like that. And then. I knew where I was going to go at DPS. I went to gangs. I was in Gidham for uh-huh. like four years. And then. Um, was it actually called Gidham then? Yeah. It was, okay. But there was one eye. It, was, it wasn't two, but it's like a little inside joke. There's Gidham, <laughs> and then there's, we kind of called it G2 because they, they added the immigration component to that. Ah. Which was kind of like. <laughs> what are you talking you know, about? Look, I'm retired now. I, you know, okay, I get that you're going to do all kinds of things, but. Sometimes when you do all kinds of things, you don't do one thing really well. Right. But we'll leave that alone for now. You know, so. I'm sure we'll get back to the border sure. at some point. But, um, and then, you know, I, I got uh, voluntold to, you know, transfer to an, a criminal intelligence squad, you know, and we were building a, a squad to, you know, to cover some organized crime issues. And, and then. We have that in Arizona? Um, Yeah. <laughs> And then 9-11 hit. And the next morning, I got voluntold to join the FBI JTTF. Wow. Wasn't married, didn't have kids. Uh, my partner from Gidham, he got voluntold too. So they said, you two are going off to the FBI. Um, Dave Gonzalez was the yes. marshal for Arizona. He was there to swear us in. <laughs> that was fun because he was our captain when we were in Gidham. So, you know, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. You always run into people. You know? Yes. You know, I'm sure he was probably just as shocked to see us two coming over <laughs> the FBI as we were happy to see him. Sure. Um, you know, Jeff and I have always had a good time. Whatever job we've had, whatever detail, we kind of make our own happiness. Well, now we have yeah. something to ask David about when he comes on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll he'll say, your name out there. that guy. <laughs> Not that guy. Boy, That'll I was surprised fun. to see him. That'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but, but ask him. I'm, I, oh, I would, we will. I'll have to tune in and hear what he says. Yes. It'd be great. But honestly, you know, you know, Dave Gonzalez is great, awesome people. 
He is. They don't make many like that. And so that's why he's still the U.S. Marshal well, after all these yeah. presidents. Yeah. He's still there. Yeah, he, he was. He's yeah. He, he was a guy that you know. You, if there was a foxhole and you were going to be in it, you would jump Born into his in and you know, and and be his battle buddy. So you know, I mean, he's just one of those guys. So now, did you have to go to Quantico for any training? Yes, for that? many times I've been to Quantico. Okay. Several times, um, a lot of times actually. But uh, I was on the JTTF for probably six years, mm-hmm. and during that time, I got I tested for SWAT, you know, for the contingency, like the part-time team, which we were still doing a lot of meth labs in those days, so it wasn't exactly like part-time. It was we were doing a lot of labs, sometimes more than one a day. So now, were you out of the National Guard at this point, or you're still yeah, reserved? I, I, uh, I left the guard in '96. Okay. And so, you know, um, that, that was a good time. And then like, I went to hazmat school to become like a WMD hazmat kind of guy because you know, they're worried about rice and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then, then I met Larry Hall and we were trying to, we were trying to like get Larry hired at DPS. He was at Mesa at the time? Yeah, but he was like going, like, he'd put in for like Mesa. Mesa, he was leaving Mesa, he's gonna to go to DPS. We were really trying hard to like, you know, get him to come to DPS. And um, so I, you know, I met Larry, started talking to him. Larry's a great guy, and you know, he actually talked me into coming out to Buckeye. And you know, um We just did the debriefing with the chief oh, there. Yeah. That was so, that was a fun time. Yeah. So like coming out to, you know, I went out to Buckeye and you know, I had a lot of fun and there's a lot of great people, that, you know, that came from other agencies, new hires. Um, but it was great going from, like, being a detective, you know, doing JTTF stuff, doing all the Super Bowls and all the special events and all that, you know, fun stuff. And then going and actually, you know, taking a beat, working a beat, you know, get, get promoted a couple times. You know, you're just trying to take care of people. And you know, because you have come out and... Talk to, you know, our folks when we have had some... You were in more than one debriefing on it, let's put it that way. Yeah, because, you know, let's be honest, sometimes we we may not have the, the frequency, but, I mean, some of those incidents were yes pretty gnarly, you know. So, and I am just wanted to tell you face-to-face, thank you, Susan. You've you've done so much for all of us around the valley, around the country. That means a lot. You know, oh, it, tell me about it, man. I, I appreciate You know, that. seriously, it's like... It's been know, a fight. As you I, know. I guess. Oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm not there anymore. I don't have a horse, you know, in that race. But it's kind of like you know, Susan's good people. She does a good job. She helps people get through things. Thank you. You know, so you know, I don't know why you'd want to you know engage someone else who maybe doesn't have that experience. You know, right? It happens, yeah, and but, you know, hopefully God as, works it out. Yeah, but as time goes by, changes get made. You know, there'll be. I'm sure there'll be, you know, more people like me that are like understand what under the shield's all about and the mission that they're involved in and how critical that is and the services that you guys provide. Well, thank it's you. Really, it's really great. You know? So we're gonna be say, recruiting you to be a stress coach if you don't look <laughs> out. <laughs> you know, I'd be happy to join you. I just gotta learn how to be a stress coach, you know, to do the job right. You know? Oh, well, um, you'll get 40 hours of training. I promise you that. That's it? Just 40 hours and I'm signed off? And I only beat you a couple of times with that red man stick there. But okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, we'll fill you in on all that afterwards. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. But, yeah. I mean, and we'd love to have you on board. You've been through 
and you've seen a lot and you've done a lot. And that's really what it's all about for the stress coaches. It's, sure. it's about what we call post-traumatic stress growth. You're growing through everything you've seen and been exposed to mm-hmm. by helping others. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, I, you know, when, when I made the decision to retire after, you know, kind of an abrupt decision to leave is just, I had applied at Rimmon, which is you know, Rocky Mountain Information Network. Rimmon's been around since the '70s, in You're some way, have shape, to or form. Break all this down and explain sure. all this stuff because Rimmon, like ROCIC out of mm-hmm. Alabama, is all part of RIS, yep. RISS, the Regional Information Sharing System. And and that's my knowledge right there. Okay. <laughs> Better than mine. <laughs> well, RIS is you know it's it's grant funded by the Department of Justice to the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Okay. They fund the six risk centers that are spread out around the country. So where are they? Um, you have McLaglen, um, which is kind of in the central, not quite northeast, because there's northeast, you know, there's Nespen up in northeast, you know, the northeast part of the United States that serve those agencies. Okay. McLaglen, kind of like mid-Atlantic. Okay. Um, Rosick, you know, the Regional Organized Crime Information Center. I kind of refer to them as the SEC of risk. <laughs> We're back to Roll Tide, and I have to but, ask you: Did you yeah. become an Alabama fan? I, I have to be honest. During your time, um, you know, it was being in at Fort McClellan. You're too close to Auburn. I'm here. To, I'm here to tell you when when they were doing the Iron Bowl, we had to watch it while we cleaned weapons. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. And then, but you find out that a lot of the like um, government employees that work at Fort McClellan at the time. They're either Auburn or Alabama. Oh, you don't move into the state that you don't. You have to and you, and you don't. You don't talk to each other the whole day. No, because apparently it's not very during bad. football. Yeah. yeah, not during football season. Um, so, you know, I think at the, in those days, that's we're that's talking like 1990. I'm not sure if Auburn was more on top in those days. We didn't Alabama. have Lord Saban, so we, yeah. <laughs> there's no telling. Um, that, you know, hey, Coach Saban's a great guy. He gets a lot of people in the NFL for some big contracts. <laughs> yes, he does. You bet. So, yeah, again, what the market will bear. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't but, want to be at practice this week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> after, oh, come Florida, on. They, after Florida almost spanked us. You there. got the dub. You got we, on the plane with the dub. We won, yeah. but boy, it's, it, yeah, that would not be a fun place to be sure. with a football jersey <laughs> and pads. <laughs> Uh, they'll, they'll be fine. I just feel bad for whoever we're going to play next week. Yeah. It's going <laughs> to be spun a 55 plus <laughs> dredging. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, so you're back to ROCIC yeah, being so, part of SEC. Right. So, you know, they take care of the Southeast United States. Um, uh, you know, MOSIC, that's, you know, Midwest Organized Crime Information Center. They take care of the, the Midwest states. Um, Redmond covers eight states in the Rocky Mountain region. Okay. Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Nevada, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana. Um, it's 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 a it's that's that's a pretty big region. Pretty big. It's pretty spread out. Um, most of our customers are you know you know Utah, Arizona, some New Mexico, a lot of Las Vegas metro. Yeah, there are offices in each state. We have what we call law enforcement information coordinators, and they're. They're they're folks that are retired, okay, from agencies in those states. So they have a, they have you know some established relationships with a lot of folks in those states to to be able to coordinate you know assistance that agencies might need for their investigations you know, and then be able to bring those resources from Rimmon to bear you know for those agencies. What we provide is you know intelligence research, intelligence analysis, uh, digital forensics, computer forensics, telephones, hmm. um, you know under you know. 
investigative funds to bring like you know, tra- you know sometimes you have an instructor that needs to come in and teach mm-hmm. agency may or may, may or may not have enough funds to you know take care of their you know, expenses for coming in now we're talking my yeah. language here so, so I'm, <laughs> yeah so i'm volunteering now yeah. for that <laughs> but Rimmon used to be part of the you know it was a grant fund funded organization but it was administered and managed by dps for a long time oh but you know the management made the decision at one point to decide to go there's a lot of issues sometimes with like state procurement yes. and federal procurement. Yes. So and sometimes those things don't like exactly mesh. They don't like each other. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, it's laws, re- rules, regulations, but you're, but the focus is trying to provide those critical services to law enforcement agencies. And like, bef- like nowadays, most of your agencies, especially around the Valley here, mm-hmm. they have a criminal intelligence apparatus. They have analysts and research specialists that are supporting the investigators and they're doing that kind of job. But just go back 10 years, there wasn't that many analysts. There wasn't that many intelligence research folks. So Rimmon kind of helped fill that need. Mm-hmm. We still do, and we still support agencies that don't have that you know, robust analytical capability. And, but Which is probably more agencies than not, I assume? Yeah, well, I mean, like with that region, the Rocky Mountain region, there's some agencies that are pretty far spread out. Sure. Um, some of them, you know, don't have the funding just yet to have an analyst on the payroll or a research specialist, you know, or to pay for a digital forensics, you know, analyst. You know, um, there's a lot of specialized training. There's some specialized software and equipment that goes into doing those kind of, you know, examinations. So sure. Um, but we we provide that free of charge to our Rimmon member agencies. How long um, has RIS been around? I know Rimmon's been around since over 40 years. RIS, you know, I don't have a the card in front but that's of me where does. it started yes but okay. this just it's always supported law enforcement through you know analytical research intelligence you know specialized assistance they used to loan you know equipment out for like you know pull cams and you know, wires and that kind of stuff um sure. they just don't do it not so much these days because a lot of that technology becomes so obsolete so quick yeah. and it becomes cost prohibitive sometimes so you know um Rimmon's a, a great place it's they, they they do a lot. Um, I'm I'm honored to you know have the job there in order to be able to give back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm you pretty, got a lot of experience to be able to. Yeah, but at the same time, you're kind of like, you know, I I I did a stint you know in corporate security while my turn on the hiring list was coming up, and you know I had a great time. Lot got to learn a lot about the private sector, but like the thing is, a lot of folks like you know. You know, you, you, you go to a job, becomes a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of folks start thinking like, you know, they've given me and my family so much. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to give back. Not so much the people in the organization, maybe not the organization, but the profession in general. Sure. You know, right. I mean, it's a, you know, it's that thin blue line and you want to try to give back. And I'm, you know, when I get on the phone with someone that, you know, needs some assistance, I'm, I'm focused on trying to give them as much help as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go out and visit folks at agencies, I try to say, hey, these are some of the things that Rimmon can provide for you. Um, we're not, you know, in competition with fusion centers or anything like that. We're just another tool in the toolbox. And we have great relationships with the fusion centers. We have a role and we stick to that. You sure. Know, um, and we're, we're honored to be a part of the, you know, the community. And you know, we're just not operational. We just don't do our own investigations and we don't go out and, actually arrest anyone but you know our analysts do quite a lot 
So what does that look like going into a new agency like Queen Creek? Um, I'm it's I'm excited. What I see with Queen Creek, and I'll, I'll you know I know your audience is kind of interested in that kind of stuff. You know I've been around the valley a long time, both as a resident and as a law enforcement officer. Um, there's going to be a lot of growth, and there's a lot of potential for people to maybe evolve at Queen Creek. And my experience with that comes from having left DPS to go out to Buckeye. Sure. When I joined Buckeye, there wasn't that many sworn, and then all of a sudden it's like 100. So you're bringing a lot of experience from other agencies to a smaller agency, and you're trying to make that agency like be better than where you've come from because, you know, you let's not kid ourselves. Every organization has its spots, its shiny parts, yes. um, <laughs> spines, okay, and things that, like, they're, you know, they wish they could improve, but they may not have the resources to, or there's a, a lack of, you know, devoted leadership sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just be honest. Um, sure. Just like any organization, there are good and good and bad, pluses and minuses. So, you know, but like with like Buckeye was that new agency that was growing, and now and, and they're doing great, and they're going to continue to grow too. Yes. But Queen Creek is kind of like the far southeast valley, but the thing is, the, the thing that I think most people miss about Queen Creek is they're going to have to be ready to go like January 1st. And that puts additional like stress on those guys because when they turn that switch, it's not like a small population kind of, you know, you can kind of grow into it. You right. got to be ready to go. So, and I think with the leadership that they have and the, and I'll be honest with you, the folks that they've been able to put, been able to attract and recruit out there, I think, you know, Queen Creek's going to be just fine. What are their numbers starting out? Either of you know? I don't know what their I don't even know what their goal was. Yeah, sworn or... They're, they're, I, I don't have exact numbers either because they have so many people that they were in the hiring process. Um, right. They have a good leadership team, I think. And, you know, having meet, met some of their folks, I mean, if I was, you know, 10 years younger, <laughs> you know, um, I, I would totally join that team. And be happy on third shift teaching new kids how to, you know, let's try not to get hurt, in trouble, sued, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. They Um, took a couple from Tempe. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They've taken a few from a lot of places. Supervisors or patrol? Both. Yeah, both. Um, I I think you guys, you have a lieutenant out there, Nick. Noah. Noah, that's Noah Johnson. Yeah, Noah Johnson. Noah's. Yeah, he's he's sharp. He's great. They grabbed Mark Newman from Peoria. So, I mean, they got some. They got some good folks out there. So what would Remen do for them? Um, well, at some point, they're going to, you know, obviously as they, as they evolve, their, their investigation staff's going to, you know, start to do their stuff. They, they may or may not have a criminal intelligence analyst and an intelligence research capability just yet because they might have people in, like, the hiring process or something like that. Sure. Well, like, with Remen, we can step into that role and support them with, like, being able to provide a criminal intelligence analyst, digital forensics, intelligence research. Um, nice. I don't really talk much in specifics because you just can't, but sure. you know, we, we do help, you know, investigations from, you know, organized retail theft, homicides, aggravated assaults. Are you, you know. finding as departments, even the larger ones are having to do things like pull their people out of specialty units to put them back on patrol? Yes. Cause everybody's so short staffed exactly. that some of the departments that haven't needed you now might need you on a temporary basis because of those shortages? I, I will say no, only because of my experience working 
you know, I get, I get at least one day in the field to work, you know, on, on field services. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of the agencies, they've already established their intelligence, like capabilities. Mm-hmm. No, like Tempe has a very good intelligence capability. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing about those agencies. They have learned that like their crime analysis, like you need to be dialed in on that because right. that's going to tell you where you need to de- deploy those resources yep. to be able to address some of those trends that emerge from time to time. Okay. And then like the analytical community, they definitely work together. Mm-hmm. There's no silos. You have to, because your organized retail thief and you know, your, your guy goes into Home Depot in Tempe, he'll be in Gilbert tomorrow. He'll be out in right. Chandler next week and he'll be up in Scottsdale the following week. And those and fusion then, centers oh, do yeah. a good job of exactly. disseminating that and spreading their word. Yes. So, you know, Queen Creek, you know, I think, it won't take them long, but they'll be right in the middle of it. I mean, Queen Creek's just like any other city in the valley. There's there's a Home Depot somewhere, there's sure. a Walmart, and if if they don't have that kind of thing, trust me, it's they coming. Will. Oh yeah, so they, they have it. You know, there. so you know the the organized retail thief people are gonna you know it's the opposition. They're gonna go in there and try and steal the place blind. Sure. You know, and a lot of those things are highly organized. Some are sophisticated, some are not. But you know, you I mean they, those kind of things. Those agencies had that crime analysis thing that can kind of help, you know, try and like get a better picture to be able to deploy some of your resources to deal with those issues because no one has enough help. You know? right. right. So, you know, I, I'm 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 thoroughly amazed by how, you know, agencies are still able to answer all the calls for service, mm-hmm. even with missing so many people. Right? Well, we got a lot of a lot of people working a lot of long hours yes. and are tired, and that and builds stress. It does, and, <laughs> and that's the why sleep you... deprivation issues that yeah. we try to get in to teach them about. It's it's not about quantity; it's about quality. And if you can get your people, even if they can get five good hours, mm-hmm. it's better than what they're getting right now. And so there's going to be a pretty big market for Himalayan salt <laughs> and um, ashwagandha. <laughs> Pat is spewing I'm, all the stuff. I'm telling you, I'm I'm ready years. to tell you. And tartar sauce, t- right? Yes. <laughs> oh, stop that. I'm here to tell you. Stop. Y'all don't listen. They're not talking about tartar sauce. We're talking about cream of tartar. Susan, <laughs> it works. I know, but somebody put tartar sauce in their orange juice and <laughs> thought I was stupid because they didn't okay. know the difference in cream of tartar and tartar sauce. So Tom thought he'd be cute yeah. when I had him on it, and he sends me a picture, and I didn't know him well enough. I said, okay. hey, look, I got everything you told me. Yeah. And he had tartar sauce in the middle of the picture. <laughs> nice. And I kind of lost my mind. And he was like, you should know better than this. No, I'm still figuring out. I got to figure it out now. I don't believe anything you send me. I don't believe anything you say to me. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, man. Yeah. It works. It does. So, you know, but those things... That get your exercise mostly, you know, have those outlets that you can talk to somebody. You know, and you know, and people need to mind. understand when to exercise, how it yeah. can impact you, things you can do if sure. you're doing it late in your day. Mm-hmm. You know, th- and I think that's kind of what frustrates me is that I, everybody's got a place at the table, but for some reason, some don't want me at the table. Mm. And we've just got a part of this training that nobody else is doing. Yeah. And so it takes people like you coming on and saying, yeah, I've got all these years of experience. Here's all the stuff I've done. Right. And yeah, this crazy lady's not quite as senile as everybody thinks she is. <laughs> no, I, you know, it would, if, if you could be a fly on a wall and figure out how many, how many like legitimate like saves 
have been made by folks at ETS. You know, I mean, you may never know, but in my in my mind and in my heart, I would say one one is definitely adequate enough. But I, we all know it's more than that. Sure. I mean, you know, some of those calls. I mean, even just you know, Buckeye with a small number of critical instances that we had in my time there. You know, we haven't really lost anybody. No. You know, they they've come back and they've they've you know been resilient and they've been able yes. to apply what you've taught them to be able to get through the next one and and now those folks are leaders they're in leadership positions they're yes. and they're helping each other and that's great but i will say that i think the biggest like challenge you have right now is like those agencies are having to spend a lot of resources on overtime yes to mm-hmm. keep those calls for service being answered so other things are not being addressed sure um so like you might see a decline in peer support in critical incident stress you know training and things that you know some of us as i'm sure you know tom can attest to this we're, we're always in a cycle yes we have good times we have great times and things kind of decline a little bit then we're oh we don't have money for anything don't ask for any training <laughs> yeah. don't go anywhere it's all about we got to keep the beat staffed you know we got you know, we got these issues to deal with and we kind of run right over here real fast and run right over there. And then, you know, then all of a sudden things get better. And then it's just, it's always been a cycle. I and mean, Tom and I's generation, we saw Rodney King. And then, yes. and then now we're seeing you know, this going on. But I still think we're kind of climbing out of the, the, the recesses right now. And I hope so. You know, but I think, well, I think people have kind of, your everyday average citizen might have for a minute like bought the whole defund the police movement have yeah. realized yeah that might not be a good idea those, those guys and gals do matter we do need them and they they need to stop these guys from burning our blocks down and sure right and looting our stores and that kind of stuff so i read a story you know, the other day about a guy that i don't know where he was somewhere i'm sure in the northwest and uh he was big on defund the police defund the police and then Apparently somebody was handing him his ass and he starts screaming, somebody call the police. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I wonder how he feels today. Because yeah. um, it's kind of sad that they almost have to experience it to then turn around and realize maybe they weren't so smart after all. I'm just, you know, sometimes karma's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> and I kind of laugh about it myself. Yeah, you know, so, <laughs> yeah I wasn't feeling know. bad for it. Let's put it that yeah, way. But, I was kind of one of those who would be standing there going, how's that working out for you? you bet, I mean, like last week you saw this, this story down in Florida where the media attacked the sheriff in Florida because his deputies emptied a magazine on a guy during a gunfight. Right. And they're kind of like, and the sheriff, had, you know, it flashed that headline, you know, evil can't be, you know, dead enough or something like that. And I was just kind of like, you know, if you ask the average Floridian, I'm sure they would tell you, he's right. Yeah. You know, so, you know. Yeah, I'm a big some... believer in putting these civilians that yeah. think they know how to be a cop on mm. on some of the, the yeah. simulators that shoot back. Sure. Right. Or put them out in the scenarios like Sheriff Joe did that time with mm-hmm. one of the reporters. And suddenly they find out it's not quite as easy as, oh. they, as it looks. It's a heck of a lot harder. I, I, would, I do really want to see... You know, more attention to mental health services. Sure. Yeah. Because I think the the initial response by police officers and patrol, yeah, they're 
they don't get enough training to deal with critical incidents, no. folks in crisis. They're trying to put a Band-Aid on it right now. Yep. But here's the thing. That, that needs to be like a social services partnership with law enforcement for yes. the safety aspect. But they involve fire because there is a medical component to that sometimes. Sure. But you cannot put that onus and responsibility strictly on patrol. Not and expect and, them to treat it as if they're PhDs out exactly. helping people because they, they don't have the time, the resources, nor uh, the knowledge. Right. And then if you look at even in our community here around the valley, we don't have a lot of resources for mental health. Nobody does. And nobody yeah. seems to want to address that. But we'll build you a freeway interchange. We'll, yes. we'll get you, you know, a new hockey thing going on and... You know, oh, if there's a shopping development that's going to do something for us, we're on. But, sure. I mean, a lot of times I think, you know, some some political leaders around the Valley, they get so fixated on economic development that they don't maybe pay attention to liability. And, right. you know, but you're going to ask, you know, a 22-year-old kid out of the academy to deal with someone who's been a schizophrenic for 40-plus years. Right. Off their meds. You know. Yes. And you're thinking that's going to be, like, you kind of cross your fingers and hope that that's successful. But well, and I think any law yeah. enforcement officer, and Tom, you can attest to this, would tell you there there are things in the criminal justice system that truly could be parceled out. Yes, sure. You know, I had an officer tell me one time that, you know, minor wrecks, let insurance companies come out and handle that. Not well, police. Yeah, you see enough insurance company cars driving around and that's, <laughs> that's right you could send them a text message <laughs> sure. yeah hey little lizard one of your cats over here sitting on this corner circle k waiting for you right. and there's no reason to send someone that's gonna right. and it ties you know, it up you know especially right. if they're not impeding traffic in right. any sure. way. pull off the side of the road exchange information exactly. call yes. your insurance company yes and and move on but oh, yeah. it's tying up resources and frustrating and over utilizing the models way yeah. too much right but I'm impressed that we have another generation coming in right now that's very technically savvy. And they are starting to figure out how to, you know what? You can use your smartphone and get your DR for your accident <laughs> oh. right here in the palm of your hand. Yeah. <laughs> hey, why don't you do that? Yeah, get off the road. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. But if you can't, you know, I mean, I love my, my brothers and sisters at DPS. They'll put a toe strap on that thing and <laughs> drag a cement mixer oh, out of the road. And I, I know from my own experience, and I was like, you know, when I remember being on FTO, are we going to get a hook? Hook. <laughs> drag it. No, get that toe strap that we gave you, you know, in advance basic. Wrap it up, hook it up, and drag. That, that Crown Vic will pull a 747. Uh. <laughs> It's crazy what I've seen yeah. get dragged off the freeway. <laughs> and, we, I mean, I've done it. We've done it. it and you're kind of like being retired, and it's been almost four years. I do not like driving in rush hour traffic. Uh -uh. I'm here to tell you. And, uh -uh. and but I'm and I'm I see things, and I'm I will actually sit there and out loud. If you rode in the truck with me, I'd be like, <laughs> get the strap, drag him off, completely off, so that way everyone who just likes to see, you know, the train Whatever wreck on the side find. of the road, yeah. you know, and, and then just like, and then unhook and say, your insurance company's on the way. That's right. And go get a circle. As long as you called them. Exactly. But yeah. you know what though? You, you know, yeah, you could have the officer say, did you do your app? Yeah. See ya. Yep. You know, and then yeah. they're available again. But, sure. You know. Um, There's a lot of things that I think if they would let stop the defund crap because yeah, right. that ain't gonna work and no. 
And what's sad is, and I don't think what a lot of the public recognizes, we were talking about this in Alabama last week, is that as they push their agenda, mm-hmm. it's it's discouraging the people who really should do the job from doing the job. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to lower your standards. Yes. Right. And you wind up getting the people that could be the problem of why they're initially even saying defund the police. Yes. It's self-fulfilling. Yeah. And they're not smart enough to even realize that's what it is. When I hear of agencies, and I won't name the agency, it is not in this part of the country and it is not in the SEC region either, that, well, I shouldn't say exactly because it is kind of sort of, we just don't necessarily claim them if we can get away (laughs) with it. Um, But when I hear that they're having to lower their standards to they will hire someone with a felony drug distribution conviction but it's more. It has to be more than three years old. And I laughed and I said, "Then set up your job fair outside the penitentiary because yeah. they're going to serve more than three years, yeah. hopefully, and you can just recruit them out." I go, "How do you even clear them to carry a firearm?" I thought, I thought the federal right. regs and laws said right. no, no, no to this. But somebody said there are ways around them. You know, Susan, a long time ago, I went to an, an Arizona Tactical Officers Association conference. And they had a special forces reserve officer who was actually a, his permanent full-time job. He was a SWAT team commander for an agency up in Utah. Huh. But he was a special forces officer moonlighted for that. And he had been to Iraq. He had done missions. So, but he, he kind of got up in front of the crowd and he was, you know, kind of talking about some things. And he mentioned, he's, he made, he, he said this thing that kind of, that I totally wrote down and I still use it, you know, because. Cops take lines from everybody in every yes. movie we see, <laughs> yeah. you know, but where the, he had said, you know, what you're willing to accept are your standards. Right. So, and he talked about like he had, one of his best friends wasn't meeting it in the, you know, PT category to stay on the team mm-hmm. and he had to cut him loose. Sure. And he talked about how hard that was. And then he talked about how you just can't like, you can't lower your standards. And I, I'm here to tell you, we cannot nope. lower yeah. standards. You know I mean? That will turn around to be the biggest yep. mistake yes. we could ever have if you cannot trust, you know, the guy or gal that's covering your six on a call. I mean, and you know, legalizing marijuana has created a huge part of this conflict, right? Because the feds still say, eh, but then the state and locals are having a hard time enforcing that with the hiring process. I remember when my ex got in with DEA. And, you know, there were like 6,000 applicants out of the Atlanta division for something like 60 positions. I mean, it was minimal numbers. And, you know, you get you would get grilled about one little right. something about nothing right. for hours. And now, you know, a year's worth of cocaine use is deemed experimental. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. You know? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a big crazy. change. And, and those standards exist for a reason, and yes. they are. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? Um, maybe three, two years ago, I was going to go back in mm-hmm. and work at Grand Canyon, you know, because college campus, oh, small university. Yeah. yeah. And I put my app in, and I, you know, I'm going through the process, and, you know, I, I go to take the eye test, and my uncorrected is it doesn't meet post standards. Wow. You know, and I'm like, that was a big shock. That was a big hurt, you know, but it's kind of like, you think about that, you can't have me out there at 2,500 trying to differentiate <laughs> good and bad if I lose my glass, my glasses or a con, both sure. my contacts pop out. And sure. Have I always had backups? Sure. But at the same time, 
No, I I don't, you know, you got to be honest with yourself about those standards, you know? Sure. Are you are you putting someone at risk if like something crazy happens? Right. So, I wasn't like mad about it and but I, you know, can you get away I I yeah, I suppose, but at the same time when it became time to say, "Yeah, I'm ready to do this," you know, now you get what's really going on right now. Family members and kids saying, "Mom and dad, I don't want you to do that job." That's it. <laughs> you know, my 13-year-old, she's like, "Dad, I don't want you to be a cop." Yep. Cuz you're going to you're going to get killed. Yeah. And I'm like, well, who told you that? She goes, what's well, all over Instagram? And at first, I'm thinking, I didn't know your mom was going to let you have Instagram, but <laughs> you know, and then, let's blame social media. And then, and then my wife, you know, she she's an analyst. She works at DPS. She's been doing it 20 plus. Wow. You know, she's been there a long time, and she's like, I don't really want you to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, just you're one of those guys that will end up right in the middle of it. Yep. And then, you know, is is are the powers that be going to back you 100% there you go. when something happens and you take decisive action that, you know, because I've always been able to, you know, look, Larry Hall and I have had yelling at each other on the phone over stuff. <laughs> and I, you know, we, I still love them, you know, but like we have both been like, well, that we shouldn't have done that. Like, well, yes, we should have. And, and then she's like, you know, I, you guys are able to yell at each other and then you're, things are good and sure. the guys and gals are taken care of and the mission goes on. She goes, I don't know if you're going to be able to have that down there. I go, well, you got to be a, kind of an optimist, but at the same time, she's like, look, I just, this would, I just, you know, it, kids are a, asking too many questions and I don't have a lot of answers. So it's a scary time. For but if you don't, if you don't have the family in your back pocket yep, that are willing to carry you, then yeah, you probably shouldn't do that job. And I mean, Amber's has spent, We've been together over 20 years. She's pulled many bullets out of the washer. I'm sure. You know, she's the pager, the phone has gone off more times than she'd care to tell you that it was, I mean, she understood it, you know, her whole family's law enforcement, but you know, there have been some times where it's been like major sacrifices okay. family makes. You know, yeah. And then, you know, in my situation, I it was fortunate because I was able to spend a lot of time coaching kids in sports, Yeah, which I'm still doing now. And so it, yeah, it, it's, it, I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise, but at the same time, I'm I'm so proud of those that are doing that job, that are continuing to right. stay with it. And I guess from my heart, we, we need to make sure that we keep those standards. Yes. And then we need to make sure that we're still finding those good leaders right. and great leaders. That's the hard part. Not the political expedient leaders, because we have too many of those right now. Yeah. I can tell you that. Yeah. There are folks that will, they will obviously, you know, sell their soul for silver to keep that position. Yes at the expense of their troops in the field. Absolutely. And I see it all it, the time. And I'm, I'm not wrong when I say that there are those that will do that. And the, you know, the, the true leaders out there in law enforcement are rare. And those folks, you know, God we had bless Sheriff Mark Lamb on oh. in here a few <laughs> weeks ago. And, and it was funny because I had seen Mark at Arizona Narcotics Officers Association. And I'd known Mark for a few years and he got up to speak, and it was everything I could do not to jump up and scream, preach it, brother, because right. he, he said it in front of God and all these state, federal, local supervisors. And he said leadership in law enforcement basically is an embarrassment to him Yes, that they are spineless. I am certainly not using his exact words. I'm <laughs> interpreting what I heard him say. Um, but he talked about how, you know, 
the leaders aren't leaders. Mm -hmm. They're supervisors, and there's a big difference. Right. And supervisors can read rules and regs, but that doesn't make them a leader. I'm still willing to bet that the majority of our sergeants in the field are the greatest leaders we have. Um, and well, and some you of know, some of your officers are also absolutely, right. and you know, and and those folks will still be there in spite of whoever sits in the chief's chair. Sure. And the the truly great ones find ways to work around yep. some of the minutia. I mean, I still remember when Five Pillars came out. What's, what was that? The Five Pillars of Law Enforcement after the beer summit with Obama. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I read that document and I thought it's funny, to myself, I remember the beer summit with Obama. But well, I don't you're reading, you're reading that document and you're just like, this is the beginning of the end. Yes. And there are leaders in law enforcement. I'm sure who were at that conference. I love that good intentions. Sure. But I mean, you're, you're writing a document that's going to become assimilated into policy and procedure that is basically founded on an origin of false narrative. Right. Um, and completely it's just you know i don't know that you're you don't want to give up the million dollar home because you you don't have the courage to stand up and say my agency and my officers are not going to do this right and i understand there'll be someone out there that hears this and says yeah but there'll be a city manager say well then we don't need you we'll get someone else and Okay. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll go ahead and do that. But You'll at the be same the most time, respected person in law enforcement. Exactly. You know, I, I would rather, you know, you know, stand on your honor and your reputation like, should I, be. Chances everything. are you're probably going to get picked up somewhere else. Yes. You know, and because quickly, let's let's be honest. There are crisis leadership. You know, several times a week, some places, and then, you know, there's going to be opportunities for you somewhere else. Absolutely. You know, and, I would say out there, if Chief, if you're in that dilemma where you're thinking, I'm I'm going to simulate because I'm not quite ready to retire, I would say to you, please reach deep inside your soul, find your courage, yes, and back your troops. Yes. You know, if you can't do that, and God bless you, I hope you can find some courage and like quickly and either uh, move over or yeah, do it, or just you know maybe it's time for you to head on out, you know. And and there are some that it is time for them to move on. Oh yeah. Because they'll never earn the respect of their officers again because they've no. been spineless. And when, you know, I understand we have to have standards within and internal affairs and all of those things. But when we are spending more time policing our own versus the public, mm -hmm. then we're in trouble. There's yes. a problem. Yeah. And that's a really sad narrative that the public doesn't understand. That's right. another reason why we can't lower those hiring standards because we have to have the trust in our officers that they're going to continue to do this, the job the way it needs to be done and not have to worry about policing them. Yes. Yes. I tell you, I hit my knees every day and thank the good Lord. My son, he still periodically will have an itch and, <laughs> and Hey mom, I think I'm going to apply for law enforcement. I start praying, Lord, please don't let that happen. <laughs> and you know what? And, and Pat, the sad thing is, and I've said this in trainings it isn't a fear of him dying in the line of duty. Right. That's an honorable death that police officers, if if you had a choice, that's the way y'all would go out. Absolutely. Truthfully. It's a fear of him going to prison for doing his job because right. he's got somebody that's spineless that won't yes. back him and say yeah. what he did was right. Get over it. That's the bigger fear I have. That's the gamble you play right now. You have, yeah. if you have 10 different attorneys taking 10 different looks at something, sure. you'll have 10 different opinions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't think, used to be that. No, way. but I think, you know, 
I, I, I applaud those that are thinking about going to the job that have those conversations to find that out. Sure. And if they decide it's not for them, okay. But at the same time, if you're losing out on really good candidates. And that's what we you are. need to step back and figure out why are we, what, what are we missing here? Yes. And if there's a, if there's a, you know, a break in you know, the relationship between your chief executives mm-hmm. and your county attorneys and your, you know, attorney generals, and that kind of stuff, then, you know, maybe we spend less time at the ICP and you guys can spend more time There's working together to try to make There's sure that we're concept. all on the same page, especially at the local county and state level. Um, well, we're lucky. I think, honestly, we're pretty lucky here in Arizona. We have a lot of good leaders. We do have some um, good le- I'll say some. You know, um, there are some that, yes, maybe it's time for them to, you know, go fishing, but, you know, I think they have, again, those good intentions. Right. They have a lot of frustration sometimes, but, you know. Politics is coming too much into play. Exactly. And city managers are really running the show or some mayors are running the show or whoever. And now we got DOJ coming in places and they're going to run the show. and Forever. Yes. And, yeah, you, you don't get out from under that. I don't think Maricopa County will ever. No. Get out from under that. And some of that is even... It's it's designed that way, to be honest with you, and that's pretty sad to me. Mm-hmm. And it ties their hands from so many different directions. It's not even funny. And then you know, I have real mixed feelings about these paying money for laterals and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand the concept behind it, but that's getting bodies, not yeah. quality necessarily. Right. Sometimes. And it's sometimes you are able to attract a really good candidate. Sure. Because obviously when you having, I've, I've done that. I went from, Oh, you're a detective and you got all all cool things going on. Now you're going to go to a new agency. You're going to start from the beginning, Uh which means like third shift. Sure. And a lot of times if you're, you know, some of the laterals that do that, there needs to be some kind of incentive to, you know, to go into that role. Sure. And, and understand that that is going to be your role. And then, so you, that being a role, you might lose some off duty. You might lose some secondary employment opportunities. And so if the bonus kind of offsets that, okay. And if, you know, if it's a way to, you know, make things easier at home by paying off like a debt sure, or doing some kind of home improvement to, you know, tell the family, Hey, you know, honey, you wanted that new kitchen. I'm going to go work third shift at this agency, but they're giving me 10 grand to do that. So let's go ahead and do your new kitchen. You know, and I'm sure at some point when bid comes around, I'll get off that third shift with, Mm -hmm. you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, you know. My concern though, is that truly over the 30 years I've done this, the majority of the really good officers Mm -hmm. and supervisors and leaders, nobody went into this for the money. No, no. And when you start using money as the, the carrot that you're dangling, you can wind up getting things that you don't necessarily want or need. Right. And I, again, it all comes back to if we would let people do the job the way it's intended to be done. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to do things people don't like. Sure. You know? Sure. There has to be, we got to get back to accountability and responsibility. My parents raised me that when I started driving at 16, or actually at 15, they told me, the police are the authority in the field. You don't question them. You don't challenge them. If they tell you to dance on the hood of their car, you dance on the hood of their car. And if what they ask you to do is improper, 
We take it up at headquarters later. We do not address it in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we could get back to that level of respect for police officers and our law enforcement officers, I think we could see some things change. But too many people want to challenge it because then they can sue and they can get money off of it. And people just go, I don't want to do this job anymore. Right. I haven't been here all the time with this. And I tell you the part that bothers me about the ones that are leaving who are good officers who truly their hearts are in the right place. They're so tired and so burned out. And what they tell me is, I just want to go to work at Home Depot. Nobody gets mad at you if you don't have a sink because you order <laughs> it and have it shipped to their house. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem. Just like with you, you went into corporate security, which got the itch pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is six months after you've been removed from this environment and you've gotten sleep and you've gotten some normalcy in your life, that itch is still there. Sure. And they want to go back to it. And a lot of times they can't uh, for lots of reasons, and none of which is because they're not good police officers. You bet. And so we're losing people for that reason. And that's looking at it across the board, across the country. uh, It's pretty scary to me. And I think things are unfortunately going to have to get really bad before we get better again. We will get better again. It will come back around. It always does. It's just a question of when and what does it look like? And that's that's the part that frustrates me because there is a solution. Somebody just needs to hire me as a chief or sheriff. <laughs> you <I'm>, could run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got people on the list who go, if you ever get to be sheriff or chief, I want to come work for you. So we understand it'll only last about four years. <laughs> then the next election will happen and I'll get removed. Yeah, but what a great four years. Well, we yeah. have fun. I'm telling Absolutely. you, crime would go away. I'm just telling you now. <laughs> I've got some requirements here. There you go. <laughs> and it's just sad that the public doesn't really understand what's good for them. It's right. kind of like putting your, your teenagers in charge of the household. Right. Yeah, they think it's a good idea to eat ice cream and all the stuff they want to eat till they get the stomach ache and right. are right. sick the next you know week or so and power gets turned off and internet gets shut off because they don't pay the bills. Right. Same thing. It's the same thing here. Yep. Exact same thing. And it's just sad. And you know, this is where guys like you two who have the experience who have been through some stuff, have got to stand up and talk to these young people. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about in academies, all that stuff. They need. We're not going to make a change in mental wellness right. until you guys that they look up to and admire who've done the job say it's okay to get help. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't make you weak. Doesn't make you mentally ill. This is an argument I just had in Alabama. Last week with a licensed professional, go figure, who argued with me that it, suicidal law enforcement officers is about mental illness. No, it's not. It isn't. And I looked at him and I said, here's the difference in me and you. You're the licensed guy. They can't come to you until they're ready to walk away from this career. Then they can come to you because they're going to take your gun and your badge. Me, they come to me all the time because of the fact that I don't have that obligation or that requirement. And then I can help them and help them process through it. If it was about mental illness, I wouldn't be able to do it. But he wanted to argue that point. And I told him, I said, you got to get out of your box, get out of your book knowledge and start understanding. Some of us have some knowledge and real life experience that could help the licensed world, Mm -hmm. but they want to argue this point. And when you guys can stand up and say, I've been there, I had that suicidal thought. Um, you know what, guys? It's a normal thought because of the frustration and the the place you feel 
the conflict between being a caregiver and not being allowed to do my job. Right. And then you add the sleep deprivation on top of the vitamin deficiencies and mineral deficiencies. And that is a perfect storm coming together. Sure. That they need to hear. They look at me like, what does she know? Um, but they'll listen to you guys. They'd like to think so. I mean, they do. <laughs> but the thing is, I would say, like, to all you supervisors that are out there listening to this right now, when your guy or gal comes to you and says, Hey, I want to go to this training that talks about critical incident stress. I think you have an obligation to move heaven and earth to get them some coverage so they can go to that class. Yes. So they at least can start to see what that looks like. Yes. Um, I was fortunate in my own circumstance because I remember a long time ago, um, Jim Warner out there at DPS, Mm -hmm. he put on a class, you know, how to survive or survive in the critical incident. Put it together and I I went to that class. I think I was the only kid there. (laughs) Um, I might have had maybe just a little over a year on at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that whole session, there were people there that had like 15 plus, 20, had been involved in at least one or maybe more critical incidents. Sure. Um, and, you know, they obviously, you know, vented a lot about how, you know, management or agencies had like, you know, treated them during those type of things. Um, and then you hear how you know, things that they're talking about, you know. And so being exposed to that early. Yes. Kind of like a big help for like, okay, when things get really critical and dynamic and things don't turn out the way we you know, expect and you're like seeing, you know, the replay, you know, you're kind of like, you're, you're more prepared and more like agreeable to saying, yeah, I want to talk to someone about this. Yes. Right. You know, and I, like, I didn't have any reservation about like reaching out to folks, you know, I mean, sure. but I really was like totally fixated on, you know, getting help for folks that might need it. Yeah. The best example I can give you for that was like, you know, when when Rolando got killed yes. at the Mercado, and Chris, you know, engaged that guy, stopped him, you know, um, on that that you know overnight early morning, and you know we've got people out there that are actually helping to put Rolando's body in a bag. Sure. You know, and, and I I sat with Rolando for the first twelve hours at the ME's office, you know, so he wasn't alone. Yes. And. But the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I just asked a guy, Eric Glenn, to help get this guy in a body bag, and I wonder what he's going through tonight. And damn it, if I, you know, I hope I had a better saying. I, I, we need you to do this, and and see, so kind of like, you know, I gotta, we got to make sure that we get those folks that get put in those circumstances yes. the help that you know, the, at least they know where to reach out to someone when they're like, you know, that was wow, that was. It's intense, sure. You know, and they can they can talk to someone and get through that kind of stuff. You know, and it's not about weakness. You know, no. but you find yourself you having to do that in that moment because the crime scene investigation requires that. But yes, so there's no time to say, okay, before we do this, we're gonna have like a four hour class on critical right. stress. <laughs> okay, right. Um, Let's talk about what it might look like. You sure. know, so you don't have that luxury, but at the same time. That's what I mean. If you have all the time in the world, then take advantage of all the time in the world beforehand and right. get your folks prepared. And you know, I think you're as a leader, as that first line supervisor, you'll have a much better appreciation for trying to make sure they know where to find resources and assistance. Yes. Especially when they go to the call involving the kids. Yes. You know, like last weekend when I saw the call with the guys out in Buckeye going to the drowning. Yes. Two of those kids didn't make it. You're just, you know, your heart breaks for right. 
the families, you know, that they've lost their kids. Yes. And then you start thinking, man, you know, there's some guys that were on that call that were Had children actively the same engaged ages. in that. And you're yes. just like, you just hope, man, I hope. And then right after that, they had the rollover yeah. with the juveniles mm -hmm. that one died and five were airlifted. I don't know the status of those five, but some of them were the same officers that had dealt with the drowning. And that's what I mean. You just, I mean, it just yeah, compounds itself. You know, it's not good. You know, get, get, let them know and be assured. And you, know, you might have to say, yeah, you think you, I think you should probably go, you know, talk to someone and sure. But I, I have trust and faith in a lot of those folks out there that I'm probably sure they handed out your number. Yeah. You know, and they'll they'll reach. You yes. Know, and, and and they should, you know. Well, here's the good news. When I started 30 years ago, it mm -hmm. was old timers like you two mm -hmm. who'd sit and roll their eyes and <laughs> talk about how I was crazy. And the younger ones were receptive. Then I went through a phase probably in the last 15, 10, 15 years that the young ones are rolling their eyes and, you know, yeah, whatever. And the old timers are going, y'all, you young ones, y'all better be paying attention because I wish yeah. I'd had her 20 years ago. That's because those young ones played a lot of video games. They're desensitized. <laughs> it. Yeah. But here's the other True part. statement. Yeah. I've had some fairly new officers less than five years on the street who've actually come in here and said, I'm doing this because I want to be healthy through this career. That's don't really huge. have issues at the moment. Mm -hmm. Don't want to have issues in my marriage. Um, I want to come in now and figure out what it is I need to do. And that really gives me great hope. Yes, absolutely. Because I've had probably four or five from one department here that have come in that have less than five years, nothing really major they wanted to talk about except how to deal with the things that they're going to see mm -hmm. and have to do and how to have their families prepared. Mm -hmm. And that, also, that just gives me great hope. Yeah. And I think that's something that, again, you guys can really support and encourage them that they're on the right track. Absolutely. Because right now, it's, you know, Pat, we can't give the training away. I, I have offered it to Phoenix for free so many times you wouldn't believe. Now, I teach in their academy, their new recruits yeah. on occasion. Sure. But I've been offering it to Phoenix PD for in-service for free mm -hmm. since I moved out here nine years ago. haven't done... I've done individual ones for like certain precincts, certain shifts, certain specialties, mm -hmm. because their sergeant or lieutenant knew me and said, would you come talk to my people? Mm -hmm. But from a department overall, no support. Yeah, I, I don't know. They just sometimes they get wrapped up in the, well, we've got to make sure that we have HR involved in all these yes. decisions. And, and HR will shut me out every time. HR is going to go look in the book. Yep. What does the book say? Yep. <laughs> And she's not licensed. Well, 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 it's not only that, but HR, the book's going to tell me, well, you just you, you can't think outside the box. Right. You know? Right. That's we a have big EAP. Tragedy. What else do we need? Right. We're and, providing it. And then yeah. they go talk to legal counsel. <laughs> We're already covered. We're like Tom said, we've, yes. we've, we've done what we've needed to do to keep ourselves out of court. We've checked the boxes. Yep. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But at the same time here, you know, here's what I tell you, you know, you need to talk about the video games, Tom. You know, I, I remember talking to folks and saying, you need to have a plan and prepare. Yes. Because you don't get splashed with the body fluids in the video game. Right. right. You don't, you know, when you're doing CPR on a kid, you just, I mean, there are, there are, there's an experience with that that you're just, you're at another plane. And then when things are, and you're driving home, 
yep. and, and the sun's coming up and you're thinking to yourself, wow, you know, I can still smell that kid on right. my uniform shirt. Yep. You know, my, my watch, you take your watch band off. You're like, Hey, I can still smell that kid. You know, and yep. you just kind of like, you kind of sit for a minute and like gather it all in and you tell those kids, there's going to be a time eventually when you're going to be on a call and you're going to experience this, but you need to understand, learn now how to deal with that. Yes. So it's not such a tremendous shock and you can function and you can be resilient, you know? And sure. I think, you know, that's, if you can get in the Academy and tell them that, that's great, man. That's, that's, that's awesome. Right now they have me in the first week or two and I, I keep telling them it's got to be toward the end. They don't know enough to know enough to know what they need to know in that first week or two. And, and there's some movement. Uh, I will give the assistant chief, one of the assistant chiefs at, at Phoenix, a lot of credit because he does see the need for it. And, and the wheels just turn slowly, but um, it, it's too important right now. And, you know, it's kind of like one of the things that I've been teaching for 30 years with law enforcement officers about getting their kids out to shoot. You know, you, you need to educate them on the front end, not the back end of stuff. And the right. same thing with our police officers. But I tell parents all the time, don't have your kids go out and shoot targets and paper. Right. A hole in a piece of paper means nothing to a child. Let them shoot fruit and things that go blah, that can be like a head mm-hmm. or something. And they realize that thing does a lot of damage. Right. But a hole in a piece of paper doesn't mean anything to a kid. No. And... The same concept with those going into law enforcement because so many of them now don't even have military. You know, there was a time Phoenix wouldn't even hire right. prior military. And I thought, boy, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and now, fortunately, they've gotten away with uh, from that because we did have quite a few in the not the last class, but the class before that. And now we have some in every class because they've already got some level of a foundation um, that these others don't have. And we've got to start to do a better job if we want to retain people. And I keep telling departments, you know, I was a litigation paralegal. It's been 100 years ago. But your liability is in your new ones. Mm-hmm. Your five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year veterans have learned what they should and shouldn't do. Right. <laughs> and the new ones have still got to learn it. And so your greatest liability is with all this turnover, and putting new bodies in there, they may be cheaper on the payroll side of it, but they're not on the liability side of it. Right. And that's that's the hard part. But I will say that Tempe is actually going to bring our training in. Nice. Toward the end of October. And Peoria, it's only taken me nine years to get in these places, but hey, who's counting? Um, we'll take what we can get. And But it's starting to open up because it's it's too important. And it's not about eliminating other stuff. I know part of the problem is is getting the bodies off the street is sure. almost more of an issue yes. than money right now. Yeah. So we've cut training down to four hours. We, you know, can at least do something in four hours. Sure. And so hopefully, um, you know, Susan, four hours is better than zero. Absolutely. You know, and here's the thing, honestly, you know, chiefs when they first get in that job, they don't take that job to say no. They don't take that job not to get their folks back. They, you know, when they start off, they're totally about getting their folks back and sure. doing some things. It's just in that interim time they kind of lose connection sometimes. Yes. And 
too many people, other people nattering in their ears. Yeah, and then but then like then then sometimes they get like pulled in different directions for a variety of reasons. I'm not anti-management by any stretch of no. imagination. I'm totally into like, hey, proactive servant leadership is good stuff. Sure. If you're one of those cats, right on. More power to you. Yep. But if you're if you like if you lack that courage to legitimately get behind your folks. Right is right. And start, you know, like not just talking about it, but showing the effort and actions. Sure. You know, then, you know, you know, good on you. But you know, but if you if you can't do that, you know, I don't know. Go take the security job. <laughs> Whatever you, or selling things at Home Depot. Well, right. No, but I'm no, but like the, you yeah. see a lot of ex chiefs going into other roles and stuff, and it's like that's a good role for you. Sure, you, you yeah. won't, you won't, you won't screw anything up over there. You know that's good. You know, but you know at the same time you just, you just want to see. You know, please take care of those kids that are doing that job right now. You know, um, and then value your senior people that have, you know for lack of a better term, been there and done that. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a big proponent in, like, mixing up the experience with the inexperience. Yes. Because you'll see they'll all get pretty good at that. You yes. Know? And if, as soon as they get over the generation thing, and <laughs> it's kind of fun to see, you know, a, a 20-year veteran want to go play Xbox with the rookies. That's kind of cool to see. And then it's also cool to see that someone like me, I can, if I went to an academy class right now, I'd be like, hey, Help me find an app that does this. Exactly. <laughs> and they go, oh, there's like six of them. Oh, nice. You know. Uh, like it's, I, like, it's nice to see the old timers having to call the new ones in to show them how to use right. the printer and the car. I'm here to tell you. And, you know, and all the computer stuff. And they're like, oh, this is easy. Hit that one button. When they first gave the motors at Tempe tablets. <laughs> oh, boy. Everybody, you know, I got one. And all the guys in traffic, they decided to have a bet to see how long it would take me using the computer the first time. Right. How long it would be before I called help for somebody. <laughs> if I could print or not. I mean, yeah. How long did it take? Uh, it was about an hour. <laughs> the first the first one that I went on. But I, I did it myself. It <laughs> I didn't need any assistance. Yeah. I, you know, recently for me, it's been like going from thumb drive to cloud. <laughs> I'm still I'm still not there. You're trying to I'm, trust that cloud, right? Yeah. It's like. And then you start thinking, like, I wonder if, like, someone's looking at this right now from Russia. And, <laughs> you know, because you, you're just kind of, like, I'll be on, like, I'm I'm going to be at Arizona Homicide Investigators Conference next week. It's, it's down the street here in Gilbert. You know, it's Monday through Thursday. And I'll, I'll be there to, you know, represent Rimmon and help out at the conference to, you know, get folks. Is that week after next? No, it's, it's starting tomorrow. Oh, shoot. I you know, I told you I would come, I would come out here even if I wasn't. Well, going to the host hotel to set up that table tonight, Susan. <laughs> you okay. didn't tell me you were doing that. Tonight. I didn't, but I told you that I would come out for you. But I, I was thinking I would come I over would, and hang out with I, you, but I'm going to be in Denver. Well, <laughs> tomorrow I'm a, to Thursday. I'm a lifelong Broncos fan. They were winning when I left. Uh oh, we pulled him so away from We'll his see. Well, you know, let well, me I, go you know, on record of. right now saying we will never do a podcast during an Alabama football game. Oh, sure. <laughs> but, you know, but like it's, it's to me. I'm I'm excited to see sure. the newer detectives. Yes, and I kind of watch the room when they get exposed to like something they may not have seen before. Sure. And then, you know, and then like some of the technology they're going to be talking about. That's you know to me it's like, yeah, this is cool. So it's good to see. That's why I mean I haven't lost faith in our profession. I haven't. I have all the confidence in the world, and we have 
we're very lucky. We have the vast majority of our leaders are, you know, when if you one-on-one, they are that person, you know, but the thing is, it's, we're going to have some good folks. We have some good folks in the job now. You know, I'm, it's, I'm all about trying to give back and, mm-hmm. you know, coach, you know, as much as I can. So, you know, Rimmon provides that opportunity for me on a daily basis, but I'd still think I would, you know, being able to learn how to be a coach would be awesome to be able to like help folks. Hey, guess what? You've joined a profession that just, there's no other experience quite like it. There's I'm glad so we many, have him on here saying he was going to do this. There's so many jobs that, you know, you just, that, you know, you know, some of you are going to be detectives and some of you are going to be SWAT, SWAT monkeys. Yep. And some of you are going to ride motors and some yep. of you are going to be drone pilots. And, yes. You know, and some of you are going to say, this ain't for me after 10 years. And, and that's okay. You know, and some of you, you might get in trouble if you don't listen to some good advice sometimes. Sure, and, sure. You know, we'll, we'll try to give you the tools to help you make decisions when you get to those whys in the road. But, yep. you know, understand, you know, have an appreciation for Providence sometimes. You know, I wanted to be a motor real bad when I was younger, <laughs> but I couldn't do a break and escape on the training bike <laughs> for all the like asphalt in Arizona. And, we were uh, laughing about that yeah. at Tom's retirement. Yeah, so, some of them that didn't quite make yeah. it. Yeah, you just yeah, you probably need to stay in that car, Pat. Yep. You know, okay, that's great. <laughs> you know, but I found other stuff to do to have a, a, lot, a whole lot of fun. Sure. And I I love I love motors. They're great. You know. Always have. You With know. their killer boots. <laughs> you know, I, I just used to tease them, you know, the accent scene and stuff. Oh, you're going to be up all night tonight. <laughs> you know? But you have to admit, the super troopers kind of yeah. gave the public a little different opinion. Yeah, about yeah. But, but you know what, though? To their credit, yeah, they will be up all night, shining boots sure. the next day. You just got to love a guy like that. I'll never or forget. Guy, you know? I had a motor in my office in Montgomery. And my kids were in, you know, I don't know, maybe the ninth grade and sixth grade or something. They walked in with some of their friends into my office. I had the door open. We were finished. He was just kind of sitting in there drawing with me about something. And they walked in, and it was like they had planned it out. On cue, they all start going, (laughs) making fun of the killer boots, man. (laughs) All of them at the same time, killer boots, man. And I'm like, seriously, fortunately, he had a good sense of humor, and he was laughing at them, too. Sure. um, I, I think it, it did kind of give a different impression of motors <laughs> and that's not a bad thing, no. but, but as we wrap it up here and we want to have you back, sure. Um, we to. can't thank you enough for making the journey as some people act like you got to bring a party bus and come for the weekend when you come from the West Valley to the East Valley. It's mostly Monday through Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, you come up with a plan, you're looking at maps <laughs> You know, like for me, I'm, I'm going to go to the gym early. So I'll, I'll beat the rush hour, the yeah. morning rush hour. Yeah. But in the afternoon, I, I might swear. Well, well, we appreciate you making, even though now I know yeah. you were going to have to make it anyway. You were coming over here for other reasons. But... I still would have come out here for you. <laughs> I know you would have. I absolutely would have. I know. When I saw that email, I was like, did she call me a rat? Well, I did call you a rat, didn't I? I was like... <laughs> Susan, <laughs> you must have been stuck in a terminal for four hours, probably, and yeah. been like told, "Yeah, that one's canceled. <laughs> Go get another hot dog and a coffee." I'm thinking, "Wow." I don't mind Zoom when they're when they're way away, but I didn't know that. I didn't know if she'd offered you the chance, and you said you took Zoom, but 
we we appreciate you coming all the way because this is it's so much more fun in yes, it, is. it really sure is. is. I absolutely love being in person. We, we enjoy I have this done so Zoom and Teams, and you know it's got its place. But sure, you just you can't get like the level of like interaction, like yep. communication, and yep. you know absorption, you know, over the internet. I agree. Know? Yeah, it's but you know. Well, we hope you'll a, come back. Oh, I absolutely will. And yeah. so for everyone out there listening, we just want to say thank you for all the sacrifices you make. Please make sure if your family's not listening that you tell them just how much we appreciate them. The families are kind of the forgotten heroes in my book. Of course, I used to be one of those, so I can say that. But yes. it's uh, people don't realize the sacrifices families do make totally. for you guys to be able to do the jobs that you do. And we do appreciate that. That's why everybody at Under the Shield, we welcome families calling us. They're the first line of defense. They see the early warning stuff. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to us at 855-889-2348. I put my cell out there, 334-324-3570. We'll get Jay, our, our director, to put those numbers also in the whatever it is i don't do spotify and soundcloud <laughs> and all that stuff i'm that's so over my head but you we'll remember make two sure, of them uh, yeah what's the other one apple podcast <laughs> that's the other one and uh but we'll make sure those numbers are available cause 24 7 we never ask your name we never ask where you're located it is the utmost and confidentiality which is going to make some people's head out there if they're listening explode uh, but it is the utmost in confidentiality in that it's anonymous. Anonymity. There's nothing, there's no stronger confidentiality than anonymity. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just give us a call again at those numbers, 855-889-2348 or my cell at 334-324-3570. Pat, again, thank you very much. No, thank you. And we love you guys out there. God bless you. Stay safe and call us if we can do anything to help 24-7.